Welcome to this special edition of WO Voices podcast. You'll be hearing the panel presentation, Influencers in Healthcare, Optometry Rising, that was presented at the Women's Leadership Conference held in conjunction with the American Academy of Optometry in Boston on November 2nd, 2021. Dorothy Hitchmoth, OD, FAAO, moderated the panel. She is a nationally recognized expert on medical optometry and public health. She has a private practice in rural New Hampshire and has, during her career, been involved with advocacy, healthcare administration, and a dedication to serving the nation's veterans. You'll also hear from Kristen Brown, OD, FAAO, an experienced clinician and currently Associate Dean of Clinical Affairs at the New England College of Optometry. Maria Sampalis, OD, founder of Corporate Optometry on Facebook, with a network of 60,000 eye care professionals and a lease at a Warby Parker and her own private practice, also joins the panel. And finally, we'll hear from Brianna McGee, ODFAAO of New Orleans, Louisiana. Dr. McGee has a master's degree in education and is pursuing a PhD on the impact of health disparities. So I know who we have here on the panel, but I also know who all of you are. Um, Some of you I know, some of you I don't know, some of you I recognize from LinkedIn, and some of you I do not. I don't care how many followers you have, all those 60,000, just saying. (laughs) Kind of crazy. Um, But I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for being conveners and spokespeople, right? And whatever that other third what thing, what convener, spokesperson, and amplifiers. Because we all serve in those roles at various times in our communities uh, and in our careers. And sometimes we flip those around. And uh, I know that all of you certainly um, play a, a role in all those, those ways. So, um, you know, when I was thinking about, oh, what are we going to talk about today? What, what, what is it that I want to amplify? What is it that I would like to accomplish? That's a lot of eyes. Um, I realize I can't do anything without an amazing group of women like all of you, and even more so without an amazing panel like this. So um, I think we have some slides, um, I think. Do we have slides? There we go. So. I would love for all of you just to think about some healthcare facts that I think um, are concerning, amazing, worthy of discussion. Now, healthcare really has been transformed because of COVID. Um, we know that consumers have been changed permanently. Um, they're going to demand more convenient care. Um, that care needs to be about them and not about us, and what we define as compliance. Healthcare costs are unsustainable in the current model. When you reach upwards of 18% of GDP, we got a problem. Um, value and showing the value that we have in the system, like do we actually, is what we do every single day in the council of patients or in the message that we share with each other in our communities actually make a difference? Does it impact healthcare in a positive direction? And for some reason, it may not be, right? And so that's what we're going to talk about. Prevention, well care, and access to primary care, here's what we know, improves outcomes and it makes for happier, healthy patients. Imagine that. 
imagine that, right? We're not always focused on that. Vision loss, as all of us know who practice, is one of the most feared um, things, right? So many, many surveys say, oh my gosh, um, if you say to a patient, and you know what it's like to say to a patient, you know what, that's permanent vision loss. We can't get that back. Those are the words that really nobody wants to hear and that they also fear. Um, so what does that mean? That means that we have a really um, special place in our society um, because we take care of the special senses. And people might listen to us because of that, right? They might listen to us just from that fact alone. So um, I think we got another slide here. Yeah. Um, so what are some other things that we know about health and the healthcare system? Chronic conditions account for up to 75% of all healthcare costs. That includes obesity and all the things that come from that. Lifestyle behaviors, including addition, addiction, excuse me, an inefficient medical liability system, end of life costs, and all the legislative policy angst that goes along with that. In the next slide. Here's what we also know. Optometry is primary care. We are on the primary care front line. And you'll probably hear me amplify over and over again what a special place that is in healthcare. Um, we're 42,000 strong, we're everywhere. We touch almost 200 million people a year just in the United States. Um, and we are often the only ones, right, in communities with the poorest health outcomes, the lowest health literacy, and uh, we hang out in those food deserts that everybody's talking about, right? And here's the most amazing fact to me. We don't cost the Medicare system that much money, and this, this spreads across third-party costs, and it spreads across, across the Medicaid system. 1.3% um, of all healthcare costs, that's nothing. That's like a drop in the bucket. And I propose that actually we save the system more than what we cost the system. Now, we have to prove that. We have to prove that now, and that's what value, working in a value-based system is all about, right? Proving that we actually influence the outcomes for patients, that we improve their lives, that they're happier, and um, that we save the system money. It's really, really simple. Now, I know there are a lot of people here also from academia that like numbers and that like data. I'm a data freak, right? But, but I need people that are much smarter than me to help all of us figure out a way to gather um, what we do in a way such that we can tell the story about how awesome and important we are, not just as moms, that's important, and daughters and sisters and wives and partners, right, but as doctors too. So, um, you know, in our case, the more that we do and the more that we get paid for, in my opinion, the more cost savings we'll inject. Having a comprehensive eye exam is an imperative, right? We're going to pick up things, and we have data on this that say, hey, um, we change the course of a patient's disease. We diagnose things that people didn't know about, and we put them back into the healthcare system often early in their disease process. I mean, I just think that's awesome, right? 
So um, how do you see optometry waging influence to improve health or health outcomes? Thank you, Dr. Hitchmoff. Well, particularly in, in, in my current sphere of, of influence, if you will, I, I personally made a, a career change after about 27 years in optometry, and, and I went into academia as an administrator. So, you know, my current sphere of, of thinking and influence is really about higher ed and, and students and um, educating and, and graduating doctors of optometry. So, you know, how do we have that kind of an impact? I think it's really an imperative that um, the doctors that we're graduating look like the patients that they're serving. And so we need more um, people of color in our profession. We need um, to be serving patients that are typically underserved and delivering the same quality of care that we might in, in any environment. So I think it starts with educating our students about how to be empathetic, how to think about things like social determinants of health, and even as, as much as having uh, a voice at the table. So I'm very uh, much interested in, in equity at uh, higher levels of education on leadership teams um, that not only women but people of color are uh, acknowledged for their level of work but also paid equitably for the same work that's done by others. So um, those are ways that I think that we ha can have that kind of an impact more broadly in, in healthcare and looking at how you know, health professions education really has not kept up with the evolution of, of healthcare delivery uh, and healthcare in general. Yeah, you know, I think that's so true. And I didn't say this out loud earlier, but another, I don't think it's such a fun fact, but half of all healthcare expenditures are used to treat just 5% of that population, of the population. Who are those people? Who are we not reaching, right? Because obviously we need to do a better job for those 5%, and I agree that figuring out ways to touch those communities, it's, there's nothing more important in my mind right now. So yeah, Dr. Simpao. Yeah, I, I think just, you know, doctors see patients every day. I think it's important with technology and education for these patients, collaborating with other uh, healthcare providers to let them know what we do. I think that's important. Um, just getting out there in the community and telling your patients what you do and, and how we're the primary care. Um, for, for these patients, a lot of them are seeing us at 40 years old before they see anybody else. Mm. So true. And I agree, and um, thank you so much for putting together all the stats and the facts. Um, but some of the things that uh, COVID has pointed out that we're really not doing a great job as far as delivery in healthcare. And we've seen that even more so that communities of color are impacted more. Uh, people are dying more, and especially those who have chronic systemic diseases. But we also have to take into mind that these are the people that present the clinic to us every single day. You know, these, these are people with hypertension, with diabetes, with, you know, they say Cadillacs, but uh, <laughs> all kinds of things. But what I tell people, you know, those are opportunities for us to really push, especially um, those small little clinical experiences, just tell them about preventative health care. Don't come to the doctor just when you have a red eye. You know, we're not just those individuals that, you know, you just need to come to just for ca uh, contact lenses or for glasses. But really, I guess, spearheading in them that we do play a role in health care, that we do have a place here. Um, I always like to use the analogy that, you know, the, the eyes are the windows of the soul, you know. But we can see so many things. And I tell the kids when they come in, I'll be like, oh, I'm looking for candy in your eyes, you know. And they're like, oh, you got candy in there? And, you know, just a little small talk. But really, those chair side moments are moments where we can build connections. 
And if you have someone that presents with diabetes, it's not enough to just say, you know, what's your A1C and keep it moving, but ask them, like, you know, when was the last time you went to your primary care doctor? You know, what did your primary care doctor say? Who is your primary care doctor? You know, are you up to date with your medicines? Mm -hmm. Like, really establishing that trust. And with communities of color, we have seen that there has been this, you know, excessive amount of medical mistrust where they don't trust going to the doctors. So what can we do to bridge that gap? And, you know, I have to commend um, so many organizations for spreading um, awareness on diversity and equity. But um, I know for me coming into optometry, uh, I always tell people I almost gave up on optometry because I didn't see myself. And many of my colleagues here pointed out representation um, is important because if you don't see yourself, then you don't aspire to do anything. And um, I remember my first year, maybe during the summertime, the NOA had a conference and um, Dr. Jennifer Coy, I don't know if she's here tonight, but she was one of the ones that actually pushed me to go she's to waiting. the <laughs> NOA meeting. That's my optometry mommy, y'all. She, she pushed me to go to the NOA meeting and that's where I found my space. And then I saw Dr. Reynolds, who's on the front row, Dr. Knight, and these are like, all of these women are blazing in, um, in optometry. And when I saw you know, the work that they're doing and the work that the Women in Optometry magazine just promotes, it makes me so motivated to see everybody. And so I think it's important too, to like um, Dr. Brown mentioned, just representation is important because if patients don't see it, then they're not gonna come back. Health-related social needs and associated behaviors drive 70% of health outcomes. Behavior, not going to the doctor, behavior, right? The Physicians Foundation is committed, this is a statement from the Physicians Foundation, to advancing the national dialogue which recognized that despite breathtaking advances in medicine, none of the latest cutting edge research and technology or the world's best physicians will improve health uh, for patients if they don't have safe housing, high quality food, reliable transportation or heat in winter. Amen is right, that's exactly right. How are you gonna eat your broccoli when you don't have access to any, right? What if you don't have access to a doc? I mean, it, we all know who the communities are that, that have you know, the most risk for whatever conditions. I mean, we're like really good at spewing out these things. But it's you know, so shocking to me, and it's one of the reasons I'm part of the, the board for the Ocular Nutrition and Wellness Society is because I realized about halfway into my practice that my patients were still going blind, they were still losing vision, they were still getting diabetes, they still had uncontrolled hypertension, um, and that probably we needed to have a different message. And when we have a different message, and we impact someone's life, in my opinion, um, they trust you. And when you are in a position where you've engendered trust, you will, they, those people will come to you, right? They will come to you and ask you other questions about how to nav navigate the healthcare system. And they will also come to you when they need anything relative to the eyes. So um, my next question for the panel is, how can we meet the needs and demands of patients to improve access to eye care? And I think all of you touched on that a little bit, but if you have anything else about how do we get to that 5%, how do we increase that access, especially to you know, some of us learned in school the special populations. But to me, they're not special, they're the most important ones because they're you know, driving the cost here, um, which is okay sometimes. 
we're going to go from that way to this way this way? Yeah, let's mix it up. Go. <laughs> um, I mentioned one thing regarding establishing trust, and that's just taking your time. You know, I think a lot of us want to just get in and get out, but often, um, you know, you lose a patient in that moment. You know, if you're just given, okay, here's your prescription, and you let it go, that's it. But when I walk in the room with a patient, I always start off with, you know, how's your day going? Or what you got planned for the rest of the day? Or, you know, um, and it's just kind of, or how, what did you think of the Saints game? And all kind of stuff. But uh, it'll just lead to a whole different conversation. Because you're walking in the room, you don't know who that person is. They're just as terrified of you. But somebody has to break the ice. And so when you walk in there and you talk, patients will start to reveal things to you that they may not have if you have a wall up. Um, another thing that I like to do is maybe jot down something that they may have said during the exam. So they might say, well, I like the garden or something. So when they come back the next time, I'll say, well, you know, you got any radishes out right now? I don't know how to grow radishes, but I always start that with the conversation. Um, I do not have the green thumb. Everything's going to die. <laughs> but, um, but it just starts that conversation. And usually what will happen is you'll hear patients say, well, I'm going to, you know, call my people at the church and tell them to come over here. Or, you know, those opportunities where you can say, hey, you know, diabetes is, you know, I see that's on your chart, but you know that can manifest inside of your eyes. And patients are like, wait, it can? And also what I tell people, whenever you have patients that come in and you say, you know, how's your diabetes doing? And they'll say, well, everything's going well. And then my next question is, well, how are you eating? Not everybody's meals are the same, as you mentioned. And so somebody that may be eating a salad, if you put a whole bottle of ranch dressing on it, that is not healthy at all. Um, if you put fried chicken on it, it, is, it might be good, you know, but it is not the healthiest. But again, we could take those opportunities as eye doctors and really just shove, you know, the importance of health and wellness overall, not just with the eyes. So um, I think just taking those moments um, and just utilizing them to the best of our abilities, and especially we as women, we are in tune with emotional intelligence. They're going to listen to us, you know, but um, so I think if we utilize that and utilize our girl power, they're going to be all right. Patients trust us. They come to see us. They value our opinions, right? I mean, I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I've had a 10-year-old with diagnosis of brain tumor. Uh, two patients in the last year with like a stroke we diagnosed ahead of time um, and even just something simple as you know myopia management where they come back in a year and their script hasn't changed we touch lives we we do a lot more than just primary care I think a lot of times but um, you know they're going to be our advocates they're going to tell everybody about it um, they're going to give you a review and I think they're going to be um, you know presenting to other people in their family um, what we do and and how we can change their lives because get a lot of those phone calls where we make a difference and it really it's not just about you know selling glass or contacts it makes you feel good and it makes you feel like you're doing something good in the community you want me to repeat the question oh. <laughs> <laughs> wrote this one down to remember uh, not really uh, I mean I, I wholeheartedly agree with with all of those points and you know thinking about working with students it's what we've done is is formally embedded just the concepts of, again, trust and empathy and, and building rapport, but even you know, challenging our students to think about um, access to care, right, and, and, and adherence to care. So our students are very focused naturally on, on building skills and, and you know, doing that 21-point exam, if you will, um, with every patient, and taking a minute, really, in, in changing our curriculum a little bit to do more observing, do more standing back and observing an experienced doctor in that environment ask questions about 
that person's, um, not just their eyes, but their health in general about what's going on in their lives. It's amazing how many times if you just ask the patient, like, how are you doing? You know, what comes out of that, which may have nothing to do with their eyes, but they've felt heard, they've been seen. Um, patients like to be touched, and I don't mean physically in an awkward way, I just mean simply, you know, how are you today? You know, and, and COVID has been a, a, a big barrier that way. So access to care through telehealth, inviting patients in to be seen and, and providing care, you know, in person has is, is been a, a really nice ability to return to that. But really helping our students, I think, think about, you know, that's, that's a person sitting in front of you and asking those questions and, and earning that trust is, is really a, a privilege uh, and an opportunity. I just want to end by saying, you know, very so proud of all of the ladies to my left here for all of their accomplishments and all that they've done to bring positivity to, to all of their communities. And the same thing to all of you for everything that you have done. Like I said, I know I'm looking at a lot of people that are movers and shakers and, and will be. So thank you very much for inviting all of us. Um, and the chocolate is for each one of you. So take it away. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again on WO Voices. If you'd like to be a guest on the series, please send us an email at wovoicesonline at gmail.com, through our website at womeninoptometry.com, through Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.